Some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got. Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. Welcome, everybody. If this is, <clears throat> excuse me, this is Spit, and this is the Spit Podcast, where we basically talk about surf and surfing and all things surf. My name is Scott Bass. My co-host, my good friend David Lee Scales. Good morning, David. Good morning, Scott Bass. Looking dapper today. Thank you. Yeah. As opposed uh, to other days when I don't look quite as dapper? Entirely, yes. That's exactly what I mean. Um, I have a dirty shirt on. I know. Well, I hit you at the last minute right before you were leaving the house that we have a professional photographer coming to uh, document this episode of Spit. And uh, strangely, you and I both chose polo shirts. <laughs> Why? What Believe does that me, say? My look is dorm room floor. Whatever I grab off the floor is what I put on. The only, the only thing I put on was the hat when I heard there was a photographer coming. Which is a good good looking hat. It's smart. It's boardroom show branded. So yes. people will get to see that. Um, yes. And But the polo shirt is a funny choice. Do you wear polos normally? Yeah. I mean, you golf, right? Yes. So, yeah, okay. I play golf. Gotcha. I do wear polos. I have more polos than t-shirts. Do you really? Yeah. Hmm. T-shirt is my uniform. I wear black and I wear white and that's it. <laughs> so this is a perfect opportunity to advocate or to uh, ask for clothing sponsor we'd use a clothing sponsor on this show we could they want to see us in things other than t-shirts and polos yes what were you gonna say i was gonna say there's this really smart podcast i've been listening to that i want you might already listen to it wouldn't surprise me if you do it's called recode decode you familiar with this all the time kara swisher yes i just found it so okay. i'm like bubbling over i've been listening to them all and stuff so the problem is i hate kara swisher oh really yeah what is it about her that you don't like I mean, she's, she's kind of condescending. She's a little. She's super condescending. She's super stuck in her ways. Yeah. Um, I kind of like that about her. I'll tell you what I like about her most is the pace of the podcast is fast. fast. Yeah. Yeah. She steps all over her guests all the time. Yeah. And she has interesting people. I mean, she's had Mark Zuckerberg. She's had Elon Musk. And she'll ask Elon a question and he'll start going into it. And then she just jumps right over him. She has a bunch of sayings as well that she always relies on. She'll interrupt somebody and then go. But go ahead. But go ahead, meaning like go ahead and restart what you're saying. But she uses it 13 times an episode. You oh, know? Yeah. But go ahead. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we have our own little... I, I get emails about the things that we have all the time. But so what's interesting, and I've thought about her in relation to what you and I do here, and it is that I hate listen to her. It's like she's good enough at, or she gets good enough guests and she's knowledgeable enough to where information does come out. And even though I don't like her, it almost compels me to listen to her. Almost oh. because I don't like her. Wow, I hope people aren't listening to us because they don't like us. Dude, it I could think, be. Could I, be. I think the vast majority of uh, Tom Likas's audience, a lot of Howard Stern's audience, hate listened to them. I don't even listen to Stern anymore. Why? You know what happened? Well, I got stopped? a new truck, and and I didn't subs- resubscribe my Sirius. But I have Sirius in like three other cars. So I have the Sirius app on my phone. So I can listen to Sirius through my truck, through the app. But I'm just kind of over Howard Stern. Like it's not, 
I don't think it's him. I think it's me. I think I'm just grown out of like fart jokes. You know what I mean? Like well, I'm, I'm kind of over it. Interestingly, he has too. Well, I agree, but then it, then like he's so always then what's push, the value? Well, he's pushing his book. Yeah, that too. What's the value? That's a great way to look at it. And so he's trying to become this like great interviewer guy, and I'm not sure he's the greatest interviewer. I mean, I'm he's okay, but well, I think his his value as an interviewer back in the fart joke days was he would just straight out ask somebody about their sex life. Yeah. You know, and then that person, whether they engaged or not, like that was just interesting. Nobody else was really doing that. Yeah. There's an element about Howard Stern that I do like though, which is um, he's honest about his own stuff. So even though he's poking fun and asking other people, he's talking about how small his own penis is, you know, and things like that. So there's nothing that's really off limits for him. And so, and even now I think, in this phase, even though he's not talking about crass things, he's opening up about going to therapy. He's opening up about cancer scares. and He's the, been talking about therapy forever, though. So that's my point is that throughout, what, whatever he was talking about, it was always honest. Yeah. It was always, and there's something endearing about that honesty. Yeah. So his He his is super level, honest. There's no doubt about it. The one thing, like when the whole Artie Lang thing happened, though, there was like this arty um, moratorium, you know, like you weren't allowed to talk about arty. Right. And it might have been for legal issues. And I'm sure they had a bunch of really good reasons that that superseded anything that the audience might have wanted, any talk about it. It was probably they were generally concerned for Artie's welfare and there's no reason to talk about him because it could only do harm. Right. But that's the one big black area in the stern sort of you know, the lineage of his show where you're like, God, they really, that was not allowed to be talked about. And yeah. when, and when this show is, has always been, that show has always been about complete honesty and every scab was exposed and explored. That one kind of didn't get. It's interesting. I wonder. And again, something... and again, they might have great reason. I mean, somebody I you know love that... is committing suicide or has a drug problem. It's like probably in their best interest not to continue poking it. I know it's so ugly that, I don't know if there's any good way to talk about it. Yeah. I mean, you're right. so close, right? You're right. There's plenty of other examples where the ugliness didn't bother them. Right. So it's odd that that one does bother them, but I still do feel like it is ugly. And yeah. I know. Didn't Artie Lang just, did he die? No, he's still around. Didn't he commit, try to commit suicide again or something or? I don't, I don't know. I don't know the timeline of, but yeah. he's. I think recently something trouble. else bad happened to him. But anyway, I don't know that he's ever fully kicked his addictions. Yeah, he plays a really solid guest star role in a show called Crashing on HBO. Mm. Pete Holmes is the lead. He's like a stand-up comedian, mm. and um, Artie plays Artie. So Pete like meets him in a club in New York, and Artie like lets him come crash on his couch, but is just a complete train wreck, of course. Yeah. Um, so I always like Artie. I I think. I think, but it's gotten too sad. Like it's gotten so too sad. real. It's kind of like, dude. Yeah. The fun part of it's over. Yeah. Uh, for him too. <laughs> yeah. Um, by the way, shout out neatessentials.com, spyoptic.com. Of course. Everyone needs essentials and we get our essentials from Neat Essentials. Is that a new tagline did you I just made up? That? I did. I just made that up. I just rolled. Impressive, dude. Thank you. Um, and then Spy, of course, is doing the uh, Surfrider membership giveaway for the next few days through the month of June. So if you buy a pair of shades or goggles on Spy, use promo code podcast, and you will get a year membership to the Surfrider Foundation. Free t-shirt, 
And uh, um, yeah. David, which former world champion said this? Okay, this is a quiz. Okay. CJ Hobgood. <laughs> which former world champion said this? As a kid, I was an anarchist. I believe no God, no master, no ruler, the right of self-determination, and that if you broke things down into smaller and smaller bits, people could make decisions for themselves so they don't need to be told what to do by a governing authority or a corporation with commercial interests. You know, so I've always had that. That's my core principle at heart. That's where my value for freedom and respect and those things come from, you know, because we live in a society that's becoming ever more and more controlled by bigger forces than the individual. I believe in being able to be you and just let people be. Is it a male or female? It's a male. The anarchist thing initially made me think Martin Potter, but the whole philosophy, life philosophy makes me not think Martin Potter. <laughs> Why? Martin, <laughs> did Martin not get that deep for it? <laughs> Um, I don't know. This is a great little quiz. Um, I don't know. All right. Well, Stumped. let me break the uh, silence here. Barton Lynch. I, I almost thought Barton for a second. Barton Lynch. And, and that's sort of our segue into uh, the Oi Rio Pro. What's the confusion about that? I just thought Barton Lynch is our commentator. No, 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 your look on your face. Oh, I'm not sure if I pronounced it. If I pronounce it Oi Rio Pro correctly. Yeah, that's how you pronounce Rio. So Barton Lynch, um, he's been getting a lot of um, feedback as a great commentator. And I think he is one. This is an interesting quote from him, right? It's kind of fascinating. Yeah. Mostly that it's so intelligent. (laughs) He's intelligent. Yeah, exactly. He's very intelligent. Um, But there was some blowback regarding another commentator, Brad Bricknell. Your thoughts on Brad Bricknell, who's getting a lot of flack on social media. Uh, I don't know what the flack is, but I did not um, feel whatever it is. I didn't really sense any of that. Like it was all positive. Whatever I felt from him was positive. Yeah. I like him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I'm the same way. I was surprised that there, maybe it was just the vocal minority. What was the feedback? The feedback was that he went on and on too much. He felt like he had to say stuff that could have taken five seconds and he made it last 30 seconds. Mm, that kind of thing job, right i guess yeah again i i didn't i didn't notice it until i read about it you know i didn't think he was bad he's the south african guy yep. right? yeah yep and let's i mean was he filling the shoes of joe trupel in this i event? believe he was. he was partnered with pots yeah yeah um i thought he was a nice replacement for trupel i mean trupel to me a lot of people like him and he's very reliable and predictable and um he certainly knows his stuff but his I don't love his energy level. Like his energy, it feels a little soft to me. You can't excite the guy, you know? And he's always kind of got the same exact emotion no matter what. Um, So I thought Brad, not that Brad is different in that way, but I did like Brad as a replacement for Joe. I don't know. Fair enough. I I love Barton though. Yeah, Barton Lynch does a good job, doesn't he? Yeah, love Barton and I love Luke Egan. Sad that he wasn't there. And no Rosie. Oh, yeah. Which is a bummer. Forgot about Rosie. You did? No Rosie. Well, I would she never forget about Rosie. The other one must really be. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so no Rosie and no Ronnie Blakey either, actually. Right. Which is also. That's a bummer. Yeah. I wonder um, why they have a different cast. In, it seems like in Rio every year they do have a different cast. 
Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not positive why that is. What do you think? People go, ah, I don't want to go. I think so. Yeah. But I'll say this. The last two years, we constantly just immediately go, oh, Brazil's lame. Like, I immediately go, oh, the Brazil event, it'll be lame. The last two years have been really good. The year that Wade Carmichael won it, right? Yeah, he got second to Felipe. Well, that's basically winning it. For, for Wade. For Wade. win. And then this year, both times at that right, that right's a legit fun wave to watch, and it offers opportunities in the barrel and aerial opportunities, and it's got a, a pretty demanding end section, and I think it's a pretty good event. You don't seem to... Um, you're, not, you're not on... Yeah, I agree, with, I agree with everything you're saying. It's just the event doesn't run there throughout the whole event. We get one or two, one and a half rounds at Good Barinha, which is the name of that spot. And when it when they do that, it's awesome. Like if we can run the whole event in those conditions. Yeah, why wouldn't they? Because their swell's not permitting, I guess. I think, well, first of all, it ran. It was pumping for two days before they moved the event. Those first two rounds when they were running at Sakurama. That was or, I mean, the whole area of Sakurama, but they were running at Itaunia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the mushy left. Yeah. That's it was a horrible way. down the beach. Oh, dude. was it? Yeah. Oh. I'll send you free surf footage. Oh. Um, Jake Patterson was posting some of it. It's freaking pumping, dude. Do you think Jake Patterson pumping, uh, posting that it was pumping affects the decision that's made by the commissioner to move the event? No. Well, then why wouldn't they just have the event where the waves are perfect? They can, not perfect, but much better. Great. Just by question. looking to your right. We need to hold them accountable for that. Um, they ultimately did move the event, but... It was like on the third day of the waves kind of pumping over there. And it was midway through the day. In the morning, it was offshore and pumping. By the time the event turned on over there, it's the wind shifted onto onshore. And um, which still, it was exciting to watch. You know, there is a thrilling aspect to it. Yeah. But it wasn't the ideal conditions for Barinha. And Barinha had been pumping for the last two days. All that said, yes, I agree with you. It's an exciting wave to watch. I like that it's quasi closed out, you know, because you have to really know how to navigate that lineup, which obviously Felipe Toledo is the best at doing. The unpredictability is exciting. There's real consequence. I mean, people are getting swept down the beach. They're breaking boards. The uh, jet skis have a hard time getting them back out into the lineup, all that sort of stuff. Um, so if they could run there, again, Fewer surfers would allow them to run an entire event there. That would be worth doing. My issue kind of with Rio as an event, there's it has like a identity disorder. You know, like we don't know what Rio we're going to get. When we go down there, you and I don't know. Whereas if we go to uh, Tahiti, we know we're going to get barreling laughs. You know, Rio, it's kind of like... Yeah, is it it's a wild card, isn't it? Yeah. Is it going to be one foot mushy beach break or is it going to be barreling right handers? So, well, the last two years have produced in one that, and a half rounds, yeah, per event. But it could have been more if it, if if it's as simple as Pat O'Connell simply looking to his right and going, "Hey, it looks better down there." There must be some politics to this. And I know they looked to their right and saw good waves and went, "Yeah, but you know what? We got to do it here. We're set up here, and the cost of moving is it worth it? And what about the wind? And you know, yeah. I mean, there's. I think it is that it's logistics yeah logistical issues whether politics or maybe they thought it wouldn't be good there for two days it would only be good there for six hours i think they need to be more they need to be able to they need to be more sprightly they need to be able to jump and move quicker they okay. need less 
logistical headaches and hurdles, don't you think? Like it seems like as we move with technology, we're moving forward. Is their operational base 10 years old as far yeah. as their hardware and stuff? Like can't they be a little quicker to, hey, let's just go over there. All we got to do is move the judges, the surfers, and a couple of cameras. They need to be a speedboat. Right now they're a cruise ship. It's hard, I guess, with all the computers. No, but I don't. I think you're right. I think it's realistically one thing we've ad- advocated for in the past is we don't need judges on site. The judges can be remote. So if you set up kind wow. of wow, right? That's awesome, right? We don't even have to fly to Brazil. We can judge right from here. Perfect. We don't. I know because that's the other disparity is the judges are subject to all the energy on the beach. Right. You and I, the vastest viewing audience is online. So what you and I are viewing, you and I have a consensus about, what they're experiencing is slightly different, and those scores are difficult to reconcile sometimes when you're online watching. You know, It's like dropping a bomb from Vegas on somebody in Afghanistan via a drone. You can just do it from Vegas. That was a macabre example. But <laughs> yeah, yes. I mean, point is technology allows us to just sit here and judge. We don't have to go to Brazil. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty fascinating. Yeah, thank you. That's got to make ELO light up a little. It's not ELO's job. No, but I mean, whoever's putting together the budgets, I mean, that's, that's, that's going to save some money. So you can, HQ can be remote for all of these. And when I was thinking remote, I was just thinking uh, off the the sand of the beach like it could just be tucked back into the hills or wherever uh but i suppose i suppose once you're going remote you might as well just keep it in santa monica and then so what are the things that you actually have to move from one roving venue to the next cameras cameras surfers that's it i mean the locker room not the commentators don't even need to be there no the commentators don't need to be there but they kind of do for the roving commentator. The roving commentator kind of needs to be there. You probably, you could get away with just a couple of commentators, a couple of roving commentators, and then the 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 box, so to speak, you know, the plywood box where they all sit and talk. That can be in Santa Monica. Completely. One-time build-out and just keep using it. So the other thing is that conflicts with the WSL's business model is they're trying to build all these fan activations on the sand. Oh, you know, um, so that people come and have like a live experience. That's fine. Guess how you can afford to do that by not flying your your whole crew out. Yeah, true. But does that does that create less? Do the fan fans engagement in general? Do the fans want to see and talk to Martin Potter? I think they no. do. I think that on some level, those broadcasters are are part of the fandom. You think so? Yeah. I mean, I think they're excited I think when they're they cross stars. paths. I on think them. they're stars. I think if you see. Jim Lampley or Jim Nance or um, Mike Tirico, you're like, oh, guys, that's the announcer guy, you know, and you want to hobnob with them. I mean, they're not Lance Armstrong or they're not like Tiger Woods or whatever, but. Yes, that's all true, but you don't go to the event to see that person. No. If you run into them at dinner, you're excited. But when you think about it, Martin Potter's a former world champion. Barton Lynch, these are former world champions. These are still surf stars. It's the Joe Trapels you don't necessarily care about hobnobbing with but if you see barton lynch you're not going oh i'm hanging out with barton lynch the commentator you're like i'm hanging out with barton lynch the pro surfer yeah so in that way he is a star right yeah i just don't think it drives fans to the events i would agree with that yeah i don't that's just like an added benefit that they happen to be there you're really there to see kelly and whoever felipe right 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 all those guys so kelly got a ninth 
Last time I talked to you, I said a ninth in Brazil is a win for Kelly Slater. He's still in the hunt. And you agreed. You said, yeah, ninth would be okay. So he, we got to where we need to get him. I'm fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> You're bored with talking, Kelly. I can tell. Maybe um, it's boring. No. It's, I think it's There's a hot way topic. better story. No, I think it's a hot topic because he's 47 years old. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, aside from the 11 world titles and stuff. Uh, but I don't know. He didn't impress me. Yeah. One thing I love about Kelly is he adds a drama to everything he does. So there's waves, like, for example, that um, double overhead free fall drop. Insane. But he added drama to that. Like, honestly, I don't know that he needed to airdrop that. You know, like, there's probably, like, a hesitation in the – like, knowing he's like, oh, shoot, I'm kind of on the shoulder. I'm not going to get super deep. So I'm going to just, like, feather in, paddle into this thing, free fall drop, and he – Rather than tucking in immediately, it's like skirt around this, come right up in it. It's blowing spit, so you can't really tell how deep he is. Reality wasn't that deep. But there's an optical illusion happening, and then he comes out dramatically, and it's like, oh my gosh. It almost looks like a 10-point ride unless you really analyze it, and you're like, ah, it's a five-point ride, you know? But it's a 10-point ride in that it was probably anyone else. It would have been a five-point ride, but he made it a 10-point ride because he did all of those things. Like He has the ability to go, you know what? Watch this. For, the, for me to make this wave worthy, I'm going to have to do this, so I'm going to do it. Like, he, totally. he danced, you know, and if certainly he danced better than most. Yeah, I like the drama that he adds to it. Me too. Um, but I don't feel like necessarily... He I mean, he's the, hanging in there. He's hanging in there. He's hanging I got to give it to him. He's hanging in there. Yeah, What's he got? He's got like a bad event. He's got a throwaway and a, what, like a... He has two throwaways already. That's why he had to go to Rio. Ninth isn't a throwaway. Nope. Oh, he already had two throwaways. Gold Coast and where else? Um, Sorry. Philippe Toledo was the guy that Gold was... Gold Coast and it had to be Bells then. Because he performed at Margaret's and Karamas. Right. Okay. Yeah. So he had to go to Brazil and he went to Brazil. <laughs> he got the minimum required, which was a ninth, which he's got to feel pretty good about. Yeah. I think. I think he could be proud of that. Um, and we go to J-Bay where he could win. Totally. No, he, he, he could make the semis. Sight, it's the site of his injury, though. Ooh, great storyline. Mental uh, PTSD. Little scar there, tissue. Right. Um, so. John John got injured. Philippe was on form. Here's my Wade question Carmichael. about those two. Okay, go ahead. Felipe looks unbeatable. <laughs> right? So unbeatable. It was ridiculous. But John John can thread the barrel better than Felipe and like that kind of close outy kind of wave John John could have absolutely I think contended with Felipe had he not been injured totally unfortunately agree. the final day the waves got smaller and barrels weren't really the scoring maneuver but I think John John had he not been injured is the one guy who, who could have gone toe-to-toe with Felipe yeah I agree I was that was disappointing for everybody and not the least of which John John himself disappointed that he hurt himself hurt his yeah. knee right uh, yes, and for the listeners who weren't following that event, we're not sure how severe it is. It seems to be just kind of a re-triggered ring of the previous injury, but he could just be back at J-Bay. He just wanted to not push it harder at Rio. Uh, what do you think about the potential um, rivalry between Felipe and Kelly? Starting at Karamas, they had the super heat together, talking crap about each other, Prior to the heat, Kelly beat Felipe, and afterwards, Felipe walked up to him and says, you got lucky. 
And then they got repaired again or rematched up here at Rio and Felipe beat Kelly. So now they're one to one. I love it. You know me. You know that I'm going to love that. And I think they need to know. We need to know more about it. Is it sincere or is it manufactured? I don't think Do they like each other. Are they going to be bros? Are they going to have dinner together? I think Kelly sincerely wanted to trounce Felipe and Karamas. And Felipe sincerely was pissed that he did. And so Felipe brought it back at Rio and smoked him. And now Kelly's got to be feeling the effects of that. Good. So we need to. We are. We need to. Yeah. We need to keep keep the special sauce flowing here. Um, I don't think they hate each other. You know, it's different than Andy and Kelly, like wanting to. This is where we need to step stomp. in. We need them to hate. Yeah, I agree. What can we say? Let's start a rumor. <laughs> hashtag. <laughs> Kelly hates Felipe. Kelly said something. The best about- hashtag would be something like Felipe has Kelly's number. Like we got to make Kelly get like Kelly's going to be the one that we need to get angry. Like Felipe, we, he'll get saucy. What if they link up at uh, pair match up at J Bay where Kelly has such a long storied history, but really Felipe is the Felipe guy has the best wave ever, maybe the best wave ever. So how would it be to see those two guys late in the event? That would be sick. Well, let's be hope. So Are they sick. still on the opposite side of the draw? I have no idea. How did that? Well, we'll figure that out. I don't out. even know how the draw or seating works anymore. I don't either. It's all, yeah. I don't even know what heat I'm watching. Is this an elimination heat or a seating heat? What does all that mean? I know. Why not round one, round two, round three? It's going to go back to round one, round two next year for sure. Um, but you're right. My, my feeling was Felipe is just, when he's in that rhythm... He's unstoppable. He, his feet, his surfing is so, he's so on top of his board and just so like, he's like a video machine. Yeah. He is that is. what I'm saying? A video machine? No, it isn't. Video but game. Yeah. <laughs> I used machines back in the day. Uh-huh. I just aged myself. He's, Let's go play the video machine. He, um, was that Atari? Hell yeah. <laughs> Pong. I had Pong. Um, there was like an Pong with a bong. Were you? I was too young for the ball. <laughs> I'm just at that kidding. Point. Me too. I was just horrible. Um, Can't believe you said that. Who's you? You. <laughs> You're the one that said that. What are you? John John. What's got, happening here? John John got injured. That... Um. So the one. Th- so I don't know if you remember. That. I think it was the Heat. Yeah, it was Felipe versus Kelly. Felipe's first combo, first wave that he comboed. It was like a big snap. Kelly was paddling out. Bottom turn. Boom. Big air. And that air rotation. It, it normally would have been like blow the tail out, land backwards. He did a full rotation. Like the whip in the spin was so fast that I watched it and I go, if Connor Coffin would have done that, it would have been a 10-point ride. Yeah. No questions asked. Like yeah. judges wouldn't have even thought about it. Yeah. But Felipe, eight-point ride. Just yeah. because we know, I know that's in his bag of tricks. Yeah, it's weird. That it's You've been making this point for years and it's so valid, you know, like. How can that not be a 10-point ride? That one air in particular. And, it, of course, in the context of the wave, but that one rotation, I'm just like, it is so sick. There's nobody else doing it Ilo. that fast. Ilo did that at Karamas. Was it Karamas? No, no. Where was it? Um, where did they have that event where Ilo did that super fast? Duramba in the final. Yeah, Duramba, exactly. Yeah. That was boom. Yeah, yeah. So that's a problem for me that the judging needs to get kind of sorted out with. They need um, to move the judges to Santa Monica. I like thing. it. Yeah, they should. What about um, your thoughts on Gabriel Medina? I thought he looked very human in this event. Yeah, I 
I think I watched the, the quarterfinal heat. I didn't watch the semi where he lost. I watched the quarterfinal heat. I'm, I forget who he surfed against, but he surfed pretty damn good. Um, Did he even make it that far? I don't think he made it into the semis. No, no. The, I, I didn't see his last heat. I saw the heat okay. before his last heat. Gotcha. And um, He finished fifth, so quarters. I was... Um, I've, I was expecting him to be in the finals, frankly. Completely. Like, I, I feel like in the past, he's looked like a Terminator. Like, he's he doesn't fall. He doesn't make bad decisions. He's all over the lineup. He looks robotic. This event, I feel like he looked human. Like, he was making mistakes, priority mistakes. He was falling occasionally. You weren't sure if he was going to make the heat or not, you know? Um, so I'm curious about that. And I don't think... I read somewhere he might not even have like a title hope at this point. Yeah, if he didn't, what it, it might have been Stab was running some statistics. They were like, if he doesn't win the event, he's basically out of the title race mathematically. Um, really? Because he's that far. He's had that bad of a start this year. Wow. But he's in the past, he's come back to win a bunch of events on the back end. But I think John John has such a big lead yeah. that it's difficult at this point. Um but I'm curious how much of that is a reflection of all of his extracurricular activities. Like, the- Well, you and I have said that I think if he doesn't, I think the number was like five world titles. If he doesn't get five world titles, it's a disappointment. How many does he have? Two or three? Two. You put a number out there that made sense. I forget what it was. It was has to be more than three, I think is what you Mark said. Mark Richards and... Right. Yeah, it has to be five world titles, yeah. right? Because he has the talent. Right. And this is the year that he needed to just slam home a world title as sort of like a working man's world title, like just win another one and get moving on to your number five. You know, you got to John. You got to bang out a couple of where you're just like, do you even remember Kelly Slater's seventh world title? No. no. But that's my point. You got to like hammer down a couple so that you can get to number five and get to that year where you're like, I'm going to a place where only a few people have been, you know, more than four world titles or whatever it is. Yeah. And so he's falling off. Like he's kind of just doing this, like another sophomore slump, you know, like anyway, it's disappointing. I mean, Kelly was uncontended for a lot of those years, uncontested. Um, Unfortunately, Gabriel's got five guys who are legitimate world title contenders. So it's a harder job for him, but I'm wondering how much of it is a reflection of the fact that he has 7.7 million Instagram followers. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a legit number, dude. I mean, Kelly has two point something. Yeah. John John has one point something. You know, none of the females have anywhere close to that. I mean, Alana Blanchard has 1.8 or something. <laughs> you you know? actually know how many Alana Blanchard has? <laughs> yeah, I, I keep up on the optics nice. for everybody. Okay. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, he's a legit, legit celebrity and living the lifestyle of a legit celebrity and how does that not affect and kind of diffuse your interest in winning world titles and like i said gorilla stomping people's throat you know yeah i guess it does you know and i i I can see how that could be um a force that could could sway you from you know your true mission you know a celebrity instead of a a surf a surfer you know like which are you are you a golfer or are you a surfer Right? Are you a celebrity or are you a surfer? You know, you you gotta you gotta focus. Yeah. And I don't think obviously Gabe doesn't seem to be focusing this year, and it's it's unfortunate. I wonder if that's what it is. I mean, it seems to me that that's what it is. Fair enough. Um, 
When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. Free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Back to the commentators for a second. We got an email uh, from Ross. Well, we'll just call him Ross C. I don't know if he wants me to use his last name or not. He's asking about why are there no women commentators in the booth? And certainly you could have them throughout the entire both men and women's event, but certainly in the women's event, there should be a woman's voice. Well, Rosie wasn't there. Rosie's the... Who are you suggesting? Lane Beachley? I think Lane Beachley would be good. Yeah. She would She would bring some, some spit, so to speak. Yeah. Some fire. Yeah. I'd love to see Lane Beachley in there. Yeah. But she probably scares the crap out of the WSL, man. Why? Because she's going to speak her mind, man. That's what they... That's what you should want. Well, I agree. Yeah. That's what you would think, but I'm just saying that, you know, she's going to... I think she secretly feels, maybe not secretly, but I think she feels underappreciated by the WSL. I mean, here's the here was the problem, right? She won, I think, six world titles. She never had an opportunity for everyone to go, wow, Wayne's won six. That's going to be hard to do. Like, immediately, Steph Gilmore had eight, like, within two years of her winning six. Like, you know what I mean? There was no time for her to kind of relish and marinate in the love of Lane. You know, it was immediately, all energy was on Steph. There was no more talk of Lane Beachley. Yeah. It was just Steph, 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 Steph. And then Carissa, you know. So I think because of that, and again, I'm just assuming a hell of a lot here, which is really what the name of the show should be. It should be called Assume. <laughs> um, that that there's probably some ill will, maybe. That she yeah. doesn't feel like she got her just. And frankly, maybe she hasn't. You know what I mean? But I would love to see her in there. I think she would be good because she's very well-spoken, super articulate, has world experiences, six world titles. And I think she would... I think she would call it as she wouldn't be all, you know, butterflies and unicorns. You know what I mean? It would be like, oh, she dug a rail. She shouldn't have done that. That was a big mistake and it's going to cost her. And her coach needs to get her his ass, you know, or something, whatever it is. Right, right, right. Yeah, interesting. I like it. Um, Speaking of coaches, where was Felipe's dad? I didn't see him. I heard that Felipe's dad has like some visa problems or something. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm hearing some rumors that there's. Like oh, do tell. Talipe camp is a little bit amiss. 
Well, wow. I'm not sure exactly what it is. Again, this is all kind of like social media fodder that I'm picking up on, you know, like that's on the radar kind of little small blips. But you didn't see Felipe's dad there. And some are arguing that he's not there for a reason because he's not a good coach. It's been argued that he has ruined heats for Felipe by calling, whistling the wrong waves. I think that happened this year, I recall. Maybe it was Karamas where he was whistling or something and Felipe didn't take a wave. And then he's like looking like, there's no more waves. What are you whistling for? You know? And, um, and then I also heard there's some visa issues perhaps that he couldn't get a visa into Brazil, which seems odd, right? But because he, they've got like a American sort of like work visa here that's probably good for six months. And because of the Trump administration, maybe there's some issues there. Again, hmm. all fodder. Hmm. None of it verified. I wonder also how long you can actually travel the world with your dad in your corner coaching and being your confidant before that relationship goes sour. Especially after you win an event in your home nation state without your dad there. I don't really need you. There was some talk about his dad blowing some waves for him at Pipe too last year. Hmm. Again, yeah, more stuff that I read. Uh, I mean, online and just kind of went, hmm, I don't know. Maybe this is true. Maybe it's not. I mean, Kaloe figured out early on that dad can be there, but Snips is the coach. Yeah. Because it's too much pressure. Yeah. And it's not, it's really not fair to your father son relationship to test it in that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's- like reserve the relationship for the father son dynamic. Yeah. Don't need to add that layer of complexity to it. Lavar Ball, Lonzo Ball type thing. Yeah, totally. And it's like that income from the athlete is probably covering. I mean, when you look at Felipe, it seems like he's traveling the world with 10 of his family members. They're all moving to San Clemente, you know, not just he and his wife and his kids. It's like there's aunts and uncles that are moving to San Clemente. So there's so many people that are reliant on this one athlete's performance and income and all that sort of thing. It's a tremendous amount of pressure. I'm sensing a documentary in about 10 years, you know, like La Familia. That's what it's going to be called, which is Spanish, not Portuguese, which wouldn't make sense. What, is, what, is it, what does it translate to? The family. Oh, oh okay. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and it's going to be about uh, the downfall of a potential world champion because of the good deeds that he and the, and the family that he took upon his shoulders. Yeah. He's really got aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters, and they're all moving to here to eat Jack in the Box? Pedro's. For sure. <laughs> um, I mean, that's what it looks like to me. And I, it's not just what it looks like. I'm pretty sure that's been documented over the last couple of years. Well, we love Philippe Toledo, and we want him to do well. I'm a big fan of his. I mean, and, I'm a huge fan. His yeah. surfing's unreal. Yeah, and he's a good human being. Is he? Yeah. Seems to be. Seems to be. Um, started a family super young. Yeah, you should try that. Too late. <laughs> I've already aged out. Um, another comment from Ross that emailed. He said, what do the WWE, MLB, NFL, and tons of other sports organizations get correct? Entrance music. How to integrate pop culture into the viewer experience. When will we see Kaloe walk out to Cali Love or John John to Go Go Godzilla? great point i can't believe that's been overlooked and that that needs to happen you know and that shouldn't be that hard to do and oh by the way i mean i wonder if you can program music from santa monica too like 
How much of this stuff can you just do from Santa Monica? More and more nowadays. I bet you could program a playlist that plays on the beach in Brazil from Santa Monica. Imagine the whole production facility could be from Santa Monica. Their walk out from the locker room to the water's edge is exactly like the WWE. Totally. There's fans. They could just put a big backdrop back there. Somebody could turn off the lights. Yeah. And then (laughs) spotlight them. And totally just start spotlight. playing the music, and they yeah. come out. They could be wearing a robe. Like sure. they could play it up completely. It's they a changing to. poncho. Yes, they need to, maybe like, and and one of them could have the belt for each event. Why would they not? I know. You know, it's Jeez. a great idea. Like if you're really gonna play up, you should. Yeah. Walk out with the wife, you know, like kind of like the WWE always has a chick involved. Totally. And then push her aside with you get to the <laughs> bikini throngs. Um, what about? Uh, what are your thoughts on, okay, two people that I want to hear your thoughts on, Jordy and Chloe? Jordy could win a world title, right? Don't you think? Heck yes. Yeah. yeah. I think if Jordy's going to win a world title, this could be the year. Yeah. John John's hurt. The whole John, thing with John Jordy. John John's not out, though. John no, he's John not. He's will be back for Jordy. And I doubt Jordy will win the title, by the way. But. The thing that's interesting about Jordy is the whole, hey, he's not traveling with anyone. Look at him go. He's under the radar. You know, all that talk that we heard this week. It's true. And I think as soon as he brings his entourage, it, it may or may not be a problem. Mm. Traveling solo, just traveling like he's traveled when you were 18, just you and your boards and a couple of bros. You got your own rental car and you're finding your own way to the beach and you're not dealing with the kids and the wife and, blah, and we got to get a coffee and blah, blah, run to the store and get the band-aids and blah, 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 or whatever the hell's yeah. going on. He just flew under the radar and he surfed great. He looked great. He looked... So it was an obviously um, a plus event for both of those guys. Kolohe, um surfed great. I just don't think... You know, I mean, he made the semis, right? Yep. That's pretty good. Super he's still in number two, probably number yeah. one or number two. Now. Still in number two. John John's still in first. He's uh, kind of under the radar in a weird way. Chloe's kind of under the radar. It feels like every time I go into a event, I'm like, I'm thinking, I'm thinking John John Florence. I'm thinking Idolo. I'm thinking Gabe Medina. I'm thinking, okay, these are the guys that are in the. It feels like they're the ones that are wearing the yellow jersey or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I'm not thinking. I don't even know who's in third. Felipe. He went from so sixth that makes sense. Third. But before this, even before this, like you're thinking Felipe, you're always thinking who's going to win this event: Felipe, Idolo, Gabe, or yeah. JJF. Yeah. Everyone so, else, is like yeah, maybe I don't. Know, Sebastian Zietz, yeah, I'll make the semis. Maybe I don't know. I know. I so what's interesting is Kaloe's uh, consistency this year, which is he has, great. He has one seventeenth, but that's it. Like across the board, he's just making semifinals after semifinals, and I think that's what's lacked from him in the past. And he's been make. I think it's a reflection of making smart decisions. You know, you see him just posting a pair of sevens every heat and not really giving up, like not making priority mistakes like he has in the past. There was one heat in this event where he was somebody else, I forget who, came out and like got a nine point ride right out of the gates. And you're like, oh, this is where Kaloe falls apart. You know, nope. Post a seven, post another seven. Yeah, the heat? I remember that heat. I'm trying to remember who that was. Um, he seems unflappable. Like yeah. he's, he's got his confidence. Locked down where he's like, I know what I can do. Really, every wave on tour, Kaloe can get two sevens at. You know, maybe maybe Chopu and Pipe are the was that like marks? Peterson Cristiano or somebody that was in that heat with him? I don't remember. You know what? Also feels like is that everyone and you'll hear this on the broadcast and, and I think there's this like there's this like 
subconscious sort of momentum for when he's going to win his first right. title, right? his first event, you right. know, when he's going to win his first event. And everyone's kind of, it almost feels like we're all rooting for him to just get the monkey off the back and win an event for God's sake. And as soon as that happens, one of two things is going to happen. The floodgates are going to open and he's going to win a bunch more or he's going to like just go, finally, I did it. My career is done. I've, yeah. I'm capping it off with one tour victory and that's it. No. You know? So it's going to be one of those two things. But based on the fact that he's getting a bunch of seconds that he's got this consistency like you're speaking of, you feel like as soon as he wins one, he's going to win a couple more within the next, you know, a year or, or sooner. Yeah. Um, I like Jordy. So the difference between the two Kolohe, I feel like, isn't the best on tour at any one thing. Like, he's kind of a lesser version of Felipe's approach, basically. Um, whereas Jordy, I feel like... And then, so another... Compar- I kind of feel like he's a lesser version of Kanoa. That's what I was just going to say, too. Kanoa's right there with him. Kanoa can they do all the same, same things. They have the same body type. They approach every wave the same way. Yeah. Blow out the fins. Yeah. Great form, great style. Felipe's a little more sprightly. Yeah. A little more unknown right so you look at Kaloe and you're like well what is what are you the king at and not really anything but he's good at a lot of, he's good Kanoa's at all things the king of this mental yeah yeah and heat strategy yeah so Jordy on the other hand is a king at power he's the king he's got like I mean even airs J-Bay linking turns like Jordy when he puts it together is un beyond reproach with a lot of things. Yeah. Problem is he doesn't always put it together. That's the thing, right? And, and he has so, holes in the game. He's you know, so, yeah. His backhand and big barreling left reef breaks, basically, or his holes in his game. Yeah. Um, and his mental. Probably, his mental yeah, approach. that's true. Yeah. So, but, so, but you can, it's exciting to see him hit the water because you know he is the best in the world at these couple of things and that he can potentially post 10-point rides. Whereas Kaloe and Kanoa, they don't. Lots of eights, you know, maybe a nine. But Jordy, I feel like that highlight. And so that, I think that is the difference. You are expecting that exciting surfing to come from those other guys you named. Idolo, Felipe, and those are the guys winning events. It'd be interesting to see how many tens Jordy has versus Kanoa and Kaloe. That'd be an Kanoa interesting has, stat. Kanoa has zero. For them to put up. I'd yeah. love for them to pull that. Maybe yeah. you already have. No. Get on that. Okay, I'll work on it. Actually, Sam, right? Yeah. Sam. You're our stat guy. <laughs> you updated him to producer today. <laughs> yeah, what's the guy's name on Rogan? Jamie. 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 You're our Jamie. <laughs> speaking, speaking of Rogan, did you yeah. catch the Bob Lazar episode? I don't, I'm like you. I'm kind of off Rogan because there's so many good podcasts out there that unless I hear from you or my son or somebody like, oh, you got to listen to Bob Lazar, I won't listen to Rogan consecutively. I'll tease it. You decide whether you want to listen. Okay. Uh, he worked in Area 51 on UFOs. I do want to listen. It's fascinating. Yeah. The dude is a very credible source, and he's been telling his story since the 80s, and um, various outlets have been following him, and, and he's been um, like vilified by a lot of you know whatever government government agencies yeah Yeah. like his birth his entire academic record got erased his birth certificate disappeared all this stuff (laughs) but um but everything that he's talked about has been verified because there was news stories written about him at the time and you can go into the archives and see that this physics you know whatever 
Um, is he a smart guy? Does he come super off? smart and super humble and low key? But somebody made a documentary about him recently, and so that's why he's on Rogan oh. talking about the documentary. But I mean, so much of what he says is credible. There's other stuff that you can't really vet out, and you got to take it with a grain of salt. But dude, it's fascinating. I want to listen to that. And along those lines, you may have listened to the Recode Decode with Jim Shiuda from CNN, who wrote a book called Shadow Wars. Did you listen to that one? Yep. About the satellites and China and Russia and all the hacking and yep. just the crazy. Basically, it's a cold war in the stars. It's happening right now as we speak. No one even thinks about it. Yep. China's got the satellite that can have an arm reach out like a grappling hook and take one of our satellites and crush it. Yep. They've developed this. This is pretty interesting stuff. It's, yeah, fascinating. Anyway, oh yeah, we're a surf podcast. <laughs> Puts it into perspective, doesn't it? New California state legislation is being drafted to characterize wave pools as wave basins, not traditional swimming pools or water parks, thereby easing filtration regulations, regulations that as they stand now would raise the cost significantly and basically make it uh, unbusinesslike to, to open a wave pool in California. And lo and behold, KS Wave Company is the one working with California state legislator to develop these new safety standards and regulations. They are saying that the size and volume of their wave basin, not a wave pool, a wave basin, because it's so large, it's not fiscally feasible to pump and filtrate and sanitize and return all of that water multiple times a day back to the basin. They go on to say that their way of generating technology generates enough turbulence and mixing of the water that it, this enhances the circulation anyway, and there's disbursement of the sanitation treatment, which is already placed in the water. What? There's sanitation treatment in that water? Um, plus, they don't have quite the bather load that a traditional state, you know, county, city swimming pool would have. Meaning fewer people? Right. They have much bigger area with fewer people, so they don't need the sort of the state code now. So they're creating a new bill, making it um, <clears throat> a wave basin. Some developers are a bit put off, wave pool developers, that they weren't included in the drafting of the bill as there are pools that are smaller and therefore are falling outside of this new bill's policy, forcing them to be labeled as a water park or a swimming pool and therefore having to deal with the more stringent water filtration and sanitation requirements. The bill will more than likely have revisions as we move forward, however. So the hope is, is that all these wave pool developers get together and go, hey, Kelly, since you're drafting this policy, maybe get us involved in this so we can all reap the benefits, not just you. And I don't mean Kelly, I mean KS Wave Company. Yeah. And so that is what seems to be happening, is that this is just the first round, the first draft of this policy, and that all of the players in the wave pool market are going to get a chance to chime in on this. But, of course, Kelly's pool is the largest. And so they're the ones saying, hey, you got to be at least this big to get around to these swimming. If you're the size of a swimming pool, you're the size of the swimming pool. Like, it's not our fault you didn't build your wave pool big enough. We're drafting this legislation so we don't have to adhere to these swimming pool policies and regulations. Yeah. Or, we won't, or we'll go out of business. <clears throat> Are you fascinated by this, Dave? I can see. Um, I wouldn't use the word fascination. I think there's a 
there's an element of interest. Uh, I trust that they're doing the right thing, I suppose, is what it comes down to. Like, it probably deserves a different designation than an actual swimming pool. But, um, and I trust that also they're not trying to get sued by somebody who dies from a brain-eating amoeba. So they're going to do the level of cleansing and uh, filtration that would keep their clients safe lest they be sued but yeah i think this kind of protects them too i mean they i think that if they get legislation that basically says hey look we don't need to have filtration or sanitation because our pool is huge and we don't have very many people in it and we already have a system in place that yeah they just have a lesser degree of filtration not no filtration right yeah um and it's un- understandable that that would be cost prohibitive. Yeah. Like that pool is giant. It's huge. It's huge. Um, I was just up there. I was not to cut into your story, but I wanted That's to hear about story. it. That's my story. My story's over. Okay, good, good. Thank you. Surf Aid Cup at the Surf Ranch. I was there on Friday. We spent the day. It was insane. We raised money for the Surf Aid mission, um, helping poor, impoverished, underserved communities in villages near regions where you and I and Sam surf all the time. Indonesia. And now, SurfAid, by the way, full disclosure, I'm on the board of directors at SurfAid. We have raised $200,000 on Friday, and um, we raised money. And we have, we have two new programs in Baja, so we're pretty excited about it. One of them is to um, help local Mexican kids that don't have access to good health care. And another one is a food bank in the La Paz region. So Awesome. Yeah. So we now have SurfAid working in Baja, as well as all over the Indonesian archipelago. Amazing. How was your time at Surf Ranch? It was crazy. It was good. I was the announcer, so I got I spent all my time on the microphone, talking everyone's wave and talking about SurfAid, and we basically it was just a big fun time. Who was surfing? Um, just all the donors, the guys that raised money, the guys that raised the $200,000. The idea was it was a surf aid cup. So the idea was you raise money and then you get to surf. So if you raised $5,000, you got to be in the event. Awesome. Yeah. Who surfed well? Who won? Is there a winner at the event? No, this particular one, we didn't want to eliminate people. We wanted people to have as much time in the water at the surf ranch as possible. So we, um, it was like a non-elimination type of format. And we did have judges, Johnny Norris from the LA Ventura area and some other guys did a great job, but the judging was just like who had the best way or best barrel, who had the best right, who was the most, you know, who had the best wipeout, just kind of like random categories and uh, like best overall performance. So just a bunch of guys. I don't think you would know any of these, yeah. the names of these guys. They were just guys that saw it in their heart to um, raise some money for surf aid. And then in so doing got to ride the, the waves at the surf ranch. I mean, they were stoked. I mean, you know how it is, Dave. When you're there at that thing, and it's the first time you go through that, those those gates open for you, and you drive in, and it's just, whoa, here we are. It's Disneyland for surfing. And frankly, I think it's around fifty or $60,000 to rent that thing for the day. Do you know the exact price? I heard fifty. I think it's fifty. I, I might have heard 55 Yeah, maybe it's right, 55 right It might depend on the weekend or whatever, but... For fifty grand, as I sat there and I didn't get to surf, I didn't get the right, which is fine, because I was doing my service for the for the nonprofit that I work with. But um, and I've surfed there before, but um, for fifty grand a day, I think it's well worth it. Like I think you can get ten guys to pay five grand each. You're going to get twelve waves guaranteed from the top to the. You know how we get to take off from the top. 
So there's six, six rights, six lefts. There's guaranteed. 60 waves in the day. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? No, 120. There's 10 guys. You get 12 waves. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Right? And that's without poaching. You know, so like I would invite you knowing that you would probably fall a bunch and then I'd get to poach a bunch of ways. You would invite me knowing that I'm going to fall a lot. <laughs> you didn't fall at all. No, I did fall. I did fall. We're going to invite you Sam. Get- you look like a guy who would fall. fall you got five grand? <laughs> yeah. You're in. See what I mean? You got to kind of like structure your bros. Your bros like you don't bring like the, the B-level pro guy that rips. Of course, yeah. You bring the super cool guy with money that yeah, is going to be stoked anyway. Yeah. And then you, my point is you can get 20 waves. You can get your 12 and you can probably poach eight. I want to bring a guy who's going to gas out after five waves. That's just going to drink beers. Yeah, exactly. He ends up in <laughs> the- You're going to give him beers. Like when you show up, you're just like, have a beer. <laughs> he starts sabotaging people early For in the parents. trip. And that's why surfers are the worst because our self-centered nature just like takes over and we just get so frothy and lame. Yeah. You're also the guy who forgets your wallet. So you don't have the five grand on the spot. You got to borrow that too. And- oh, I don't know if that's going to go down. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, the, the, as you know, because um, you were there with, you were there for the event, the Founders Cup or no, the, the, uh, the first event of the last year's Sir Freshwater Pro. Pro or whatever. Yeah. Sir yeah. France Pro. The customer service of that place is insane like the people that work there are top notch they totally take care of you the food's ridiculous super killer healthy it's always there for you if you need anything you just raise your hand and they come and help you out the concierge type service it's just the lifeguards are super cool the whole thing is top notch like top shelf country club so for five grand if you're going to get guaranteed 12 long killer waves with the potential for some poaching and on top of that, you're just relaxing the whole time when you're not in the water. You're just you're just chilling out and digging it, and you got music going, and it's yeah, fun, and you're at this venue. new. It's a totally bitching day, right? Yeah. And on top of that, it's only a day. Like there's something about not having to spend ten days, like twenty four hours flying to Indo on a boat, blah, 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 you know, in the Japan airport, blah, come back jet lagged for two weeks. Like you kind of bang it out, and you're. I mean, you can fly there you know, in the evening, spend the night in Fresno, drive there, surf all day, and maybe fly home that night. You could, yeah. And so that part of it's kind of intriguing in a weird way. You don't get the like, I'm going to read a book in a hammock for a week vibe, but you bang out a super solid day of surfing. Like 12 waves is a lot. Five grand's a lot. Five grand's a lot. No, I agree. It's a lot. I mean, I'm trying to yeah, rationalize it. I'm kind of trying to rationalize it. I'm trying to, but I I think I could see doing it. Like I could see, because first of all, it's a bucket list thing too. Like, dude, you're going to be dead pretty soon. Just go friggin' do it. Like five grand's not that much. You know what I mean? Depends who you are. I know. Five it's all relative. Five grand, five, five hundred bucks. Five for grand could be the vacation of a lifetime for a, a lot of people. Well, here's the thing. Our demographic, surfers in California... We're just getting wealthier and wealthier because you can't be a surfer in California and not be wealthy. Like you, to, like just think about like where do you own a home? I don't. Where could you buy one? Inland. Exactly. Yeah. What are the chances of your kid going to be a surfer? Not great. Right. Yeah. That's my point is that people that are going to be surfer are rich people who own homes along the California coastline. That's just the way it's going to be. In 40 years, it's going to be wealthy people that surf. Yeah. What do you think? That's no, pretty I mean, good. Like, I mean, yes, except there's going to be a bunch of surfers riding wave pools inland too. Yeah, potentially. They're, they're not going to know yeah. how to ride ocean waves. Yeah. My point is that just five grand in a generation isn't going to be that much for a 24-year-old that's like 
basically a trust fund. There's just going to be a bunch of trust fund surfers. Yeah, it's kind of already. Certainly, in it's kind of an interesting way to think about it, though, huh? To forward, think forward about what the demographics going to look. It like. becomes um, the equivalent of golf or water polo or lacrosse, like a horseback riding yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, not water polo, it's proper like, polo. It's blue, yeah, yeah. It's blue blood sport. Yeah, exactly. You know, amateur Which golf. Is the exact opposite of where it started. Yeah, I mean, no, no, yeah. It's like in the trenches of Venice in 1964 or something. That's you know, not where, where it started. Well, my point is, it was like you couldn't get much yeah. dirtier and grosser exactly. than Venice in 1968. For the first, like it's pretty gross. There's dropping acid and cutting yeah. each other off at Pop Pier or whatever. I mean, for the that's first, pretty like low rent, and it was lower rent than that. Even I mean, it was like IB people camping out in jungles to do it. Like it, it was the um, vagabonds and the vagrants for decades of the pioneering of surfing. So it'd be super bizarre if in the next fifty years it's only wealthy elite. What does it say for the health of the oceans if? The demographic of the people that live along the coastlines around the world, frankly, because I think everywhere where there's coastline, people are buying up property. Is it a good thing for the health of the oceans that in 100 years, everyone that lives around the ocean is going to have a ton of money and their interest just in the value of their property is based on the ocean being healthy? Look, it does, it's not going to change that detail won't change the health of the oceans because there will always be people coming from inland to enjoy the ocean it's not like i mean like the massive like just like the massive political force that is a bunch of wealthy people that want to see the oceans healthy like do they i don't know i mean mean, you're you're assuming that the people who own homes on the beach are the ones who are surfing and that's not no 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 i'm presuming they're the ones that are looking at the ocean going if it goes away or turns dead the value of my property would just took a shit do you think so? I think you and I care more about the ocean than the people who live on the sand do. Well, as soon as it turns brown and hideous and there's dead fish floating around, all of a sudden, if you live on the sand, you're like, why did I buy? The- what's up? What's up with the land? What's up with the ocean? I just, I no, no, maybe I'm making a re am I reaching? I don't think it turns acidic and brown, you know, okay. for a long time. And I think actually the the homeowners on the beach probably don't want people going in the ocean they probably want it empty all the tourists that show up and take their parking and leave trash i'm not worried about surfers catching waves in front of houses owned by rich people there's no way you we're not getting no one's stopping me you know like they're stopping people all over the place certainly up california's coastline where where are they stopping people malibu santa barbara no, there's, no one's stopping anyone from surfing in Malibu. This is an ongoing conversation that comes up in the news every once a year about somebody blocking access to the beach. Yeah, but they it goes to the Supreme Court and they win. Like, there's tons of access to to the beach. I mean, in Malibu. it across the California I mean, coast. Yes, almost all of we're it winning. is accessible, but there are, this becomes a point of contention once a year somewhere in some some rich backyard. dick. Yeah, going exactly, to exactly. But for the most part, look, there's massive quantities of of course accessibility along the coastline. Completely, it's almost it's in the Coastal Commission charter that it has to be. So. Yeah. So you're wrong. I don't even know what we're arguing about. I don't now. either. Shut up. I feel, <laughs> I feel like, God, thanks, Kelly. I can't wait for um, the sympathy emails I get after this one. Oh my God. So I have a kook or a duke. Oh wow. Back to the olden days. Well, I, when they come, they come. You know what I mean? 
So my kook is Wade Carmichael for bailing his board in that heat. He was in the semifinals. John John Florence, was it the quarters maybe or the semis? But John John Florence had been injured and he came in and Wade needed a 6.1 with 10 minutes left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He caught a crappy wave and kicked out and he had like four minutes left and he paddled out there and a set came and he bailed his board. He, I, I, and so this is what's interesting. When he bailed his board, I go, what a kook. His board could break right now. 30 seconds later, he comes up. His board's broken from bailing his board. Yeah. That was a huge mistake. By the way, I love Wade Carmichael surfing. I'm sure he's a great guy. What a bloke. But he's my duke. I mean, my kook for bailing his board with four minutes left instead of just duck diving. Now, I know time. it was a huge, massive eight-foot set wave yeah. at a beach break. But everyone knew that. And you know the consequences. That was a board-breaking wave. you got to hold on to it. It's not breaking if you hold on to it. It's a good call. Um, he did really botch uh, opportunity there. He had opportunities there to close out that heat with John John not being in the water, and he did not capitalize on him. Um, and he's usually such a reliable competitor. You know, He's like a work. He just doesn't really get flustered. He always does the job. So it was surprising. It's a good call. Stand by it. My Duke is Jackson Dorian, Shane Dorian's kid. Also sort of my must spy, must-see moment, spy optic, must-see moment. I don't know if you watched the massive error that he pulled at the BSR wave range oh, yeah, in Waco, yeah. this, the, the rotation. Yeah. It looked sort of Italo and who's the guy that was? Felipe. Felipe. It had that kind of spin on it. Yeah. It was just like buttery. Yeah. Did you see it? Yeah. Yeah. So that's my Duke as well as my spy optic must-see moment. Go on to Jackson Dorian or Shane Dorian's Instagram and take a look at Jackson Dorian doing this pretty fast and um, just like well-transitioned aerial. Yeah. Uh, he's an impre- impressive kid. He, it's going to be interesting to watch how that plays out, huh? What do you mean? Jackson Dorian as a pro surfer? I, I don't think it's as fraught with peril as other child celebrities are. I would are. agree with that. Like, because Shane is so just Centered. normal. Yeah. yeah. Just as normal as the day is long and like, yeah. seems like a great father. Doesn't seem to be imposing anything on Jackson. Yeah. Like, Jackson's just Doing an amped kid. Yeah. yeah. They seem to really have it figured out. And I think, obviously, parenting is the um, direct reason for kids' success or lack thereof in that type of environment or scenario. My Duke is Stab Magazine for their Grom Girl division at Stab High this weekend. Have you seen this? No. Grom Girls, like literally 10, 12-year-old girls that they're putting in the event in an air show. And in all the you know advertising for the event, they're showing these girls do legit airs, yeah. kind of akin to Jackson's, to be honest. Like, yeah. I'm super impressed. These girls are doing crazier airs than we're seeing the women on the world tour doing, and right. they're ten years old. Gnarly. So Stab Mag uh, put together a list of those girls, and they're giving them their own event at the Stab High at BSR Cable Park this weekend. Have you bought your tickets? No. Are you going to watch online? Is it free I, to watch online? Or are they charging? Last year, I paid on? ten bucks to watch it, um, and it was well worth it. Yes, I am gonna. I've got a. Do you have to pay to watch it? I don't know. Last yeah. year, I had to. Okay. I think this year you might have to as well. But yeah, I've got um, got a dinner party on Saturday night, so I have to spend the whole day in the kitchen on Saturday. What are you making? 
Uh, I think fish and veg, probably. Yeah, any can you go deeper than that? What type of fish? <laughs> what kind of veg? I, well, so I'll get a white fish. I always buy it at Costco, and depending on what they have, sometimes it's opa. Last time it was lingcod. Just depends on the given week. And gonna do like so a you mac. Bake it? I do a macadamia nut crust, and so yeah, you, bake you, it. You crust it. Just one side, just then, the top side. And then you bake it at bake 350 it. for like eight minutes or something? Longer than that, yeah. yeah. So last time, at the t- at sometimes I do pesto, other times I did mac nut, and then I realized pesto, pesto has nuts in it, and it has parm, which you mix with the mac nut. Pine nuts. Let's just, normally you do pine nuts. So let's forget about the pine nuts. Let's throw the mac nuts and the parm in the pesto. So it's like a pesto mac so nut. basil. Mac nut, parm. What else is in pesto? Olive oil, garlic. Olive oil and garlic. Yeah. So that becomes the crust and it browns. And then a beer blanc sauce underneath. Little onion, lemon confit on the side. And I'm not sure what the third vegetable is going to be. <laughs> you said you wanted to go deep. Wow, bro. You want to go deep? You did good. Um, what time should I be there? <laughs> I'll send you your invite in the mail. Okay, fair enough. Wait, wait for it. Snail mail. Yep. Wait by uh, the mailbox. And you have a kook? No. I'm going to okay. co-sign your kook. Okay. Um, the Switch with Bro Am is this weekend. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Wow, big weekend. I will be one of the announcers on the beach. Moonlight Announcing beach. the surf? Yeah, they have like a Rob Machado like Grom thing. And then they have a the Switchfoot thing where you have to take off and go Switchfoot. Yeah. And they it's pretty cool because the guys in Switchfoot are good surfers. And so they, they are, they're in it. And they have this... They have this like fun event where there's like jousting, you know, where they all oh, dress yeah. up and they have this like jousting pole with pillows on it and they beat the shit out of each other on the wave. Yeah. It's pretty fun. Yeah, it looks like an amazing event. Yeah. Um so are you transitioning into a commentator position as your career path? I'm not getting paid for anything. I'm just volunteering my services to the community. Hmm. Yeah. But that's the first step to getting paid. I think you just go do something that you love for free for a while and then you start getting job it offers. Seems like I just keep getting free gigs. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's actually fine. willing to pay you yet? I guess not. I must not be hitting home runs. Um, or the people who write the paychecks don't know that you're doing it yet. Does the WS- is the WSL aware? Is this even a career path interest for you? Uh, maybe. All, everything's of interest to me from a career path standpoint. Everything. I mean, you know, like within reason. <laughs> I'm not going to be selling myself on the street corner. Which asset would you be selling? <laughs> Which are you interested in? Oh, Lord. We died Trying to all. save up that five grand one day. Yeah, you know, you got to get one, me five one grand. Trick at a however time. you can get it. Exactly. I'm the one trick pony. I'm going to the Wave Ranch more than once. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, shout out, by the way, Florida Surf Film Festival. How was that? Oh, I mean, epic, dude. Really? Epic. They do such a killer job. Yeah, we saw exactly the. I've actually been asked to announce one of those showings. See, in look August. at you. You got. I just remember lining up. It's all free. Right. They're like, "Will you moderate a panel?" I'm like, oh, "Okay." With who? Probably with Damien and some other guys. It's for the. Um, it's a fundraiser for the Boys to Men Mentoring Program. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, the Florida Surf Film Festival. First of all, that was the main film that they were screening that night, but they have a couple of shorts and then they had another like hour long film from this 21 year old Hawaiian kid who made a feature length surf film on his iPhone basically. And he lives in his van using Starbucks Wi-Fi to edit, you know, every day. And the film, 
<laughs> what are you laughing at? I'm just imagining this guy just... Go ahead. Just, no, you go ahead. No, Yours is going to be better than mine. I, I love this guy. I'm stoked for this guy. I can just see him in there like all day long in Starbucks. I can see the barista going, God, how do we get this guy out of here? He's been here all day. They're not allowed to kick him out anymore. Really? Yeah, they implemented a policy. They have to let you use their restroom, even if you're not buying anything. Wow, because there's like homeless. There's a homeless guy I've noticed at the Starbucks in Cardiff. And yeah. I'm like, God, how come they don't kick this guy out? Because remember in Philadelphia, like two years ago, there was some black teens that came in to wait for a buddy and the manager was like if you're not going to buy anything you can't be here and then it turned into this racial thing oh, yeah. and uh then they just implemented a blanket policy so a surf movie came of this whole thing this is insane <laughs> Who chris miyashiro is the guy's name um and he just made this beautiful film you know like and it, why was it beautiful it was uh, whimsical and captured all the, uh, <laughs> you know, the You're romance. Like you don't believe it. No, I'm saying it because you are condescending in your assessment of me I'm sure just giving people. a flippant respect. Like, okay. So I'm po- stoked on Chris. Look, I'm not I have here criticism. to shoot down Chris. I'm, I just want to know Look, why, why you thought it was wonderful. I have criticism about the film as well. Like if I'm going to put my critic hat on. Please it was do. Way- That's what you are. No, because he's a 21-year-old kid who made it with zero budget. Like, and so... I'm looking at it as nobody forced. I didn't pay for this. Nobody forced me to right. watch it. I sat down and I'm looking at this 21 year old kid using his iPhone, and I only see the good in it. Right. And the good is, it captured all the whimsy of the sojourn. You know, the journeying of a surfer just traveling the world with no budget and catching waves with friends and running into people. And it was really beautifully um, put together. Like the transitions from one scene to the other he did all the artwork himself which was like hand cut um cut out like pieces of paper and create like a collage and then film the collage and like move the camera along the map you know because he probably didn't know how to do graphic design work in whatever adobe software you need so like little elements like that were whimsical and he scored it with a friend and did the narration. He got a local kid in on Oahu, like a 12-year-old kid, to do the narration for him. That element was I amazing. I was available. <laughs> I don't think he knew. Um, so like elements like that where you're like, okay, this filmmaker has a real skill set. So it was so sincere that it was it was charming. And it was well done. And it was well yeah. done. So And he traveled the world. He went to Thailand and then Joshua Tree to shoot a bunch of B-roll stuff. Um, so my point is... This first film, you would have criticism of if you paid for it and I didn't give you all that backstory. If you just watched it as it ends up on Netflix one day, you'd be like, oh, it's too long and it gets boring at parts or whatever. But I'm like, this guy has talent. Like it's He's an artist and he's really good at what he does. It'll be interesting to see his second project. It'll be interesting to see his fourth and fifth project. And I remember being at the first one at the Florida Surf Film Festival who does this killer job curating. Yes. The good, the wheat from the chaff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and they do a great job of pulling community together. They get, they sell out the event every single time. So I was psyched to be there. And then, of course, to connect with Justin Purser, who is the director of the Hobgood documentary, and then see the Hobgoods. And I recorded a chat with the doc, with all of them, and I'll post that as a podcast um, in the coming, whatever. What other, to. what other films were, stood out? Um, is there anything where you would go, Scott would have liked this? The the Hobgood doc you'll like for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
Cool. Um, but yeah, good to connect with podcast fans out there and all that sort of stuff too. Not a good thing to go to Florida in June though. It's kind of muggy. Is that what it was? It's a bit muggy. It's thick, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. But I'm glad you had a good time. And I'm so, a fan of the Florida Film, Florida Surf Film Festival. Yeah. And the fireman that puts it on. Yeah. Fireman good, and an accountant. Good stuff. Combo. And a surfer. Hardcore surfer. Both of them are surfers. Um, and then my it was Father's Day weekend that they hosted it. So my dad actually flew out with me to do that. Oh, and then we rode. That's very cool. Then we road tripped it. That's pretty cool. St. I mean, Augustine. Went okay. to Savannah. Savannah. Yeah. I have relatives in Savannah. Do you really? I do. Have you been? I have. What do you think? I think it's a southern city. It's pretty southern. Yeah. You know what I mean? Do you like it? Trees with the... Spanish moss? Yeah, the moss. Um, My grandmother lived there, and my aunt still lives there. And I mean, my experiences there were when I was five years old. Oh, okay. I haven't been there in a while. But um, it was pretty southern, especially at my grandmother's house. Let's it just, sounds like you're using southern as a pejorative. I am. Yeah. Uh, I love it. <laughs> so, I mean, the real like I have, as I've gotten older, have a real reverence for Americana. I love like, it. And like history. Yes. You know, going to like these forts that is the very first spot. I love the that very first stuff. shot of the Civil War was fired. You I know, and stuff so like that. love that shit. Yeah, it's so good. And people are just so, America is so diverse. You yeah. know, like people in the South are culturally more different than yes. Australians from Southern Californians. Totally. You know, totally so all right. of that stuff I really love. And it's like fascinating. Eating. You know, you and I travel internationally and I have not done enough travel within the continental United States. Yeah. And it's a fascinating thing. By the way, speaking of history, have you l- listened to Dan Carlin's Hardcore History? The episode is Destroyer of the Worlds. No, I haven't. It's I listened to the show, but not that episode. That episode's so good. It's a blitz, you know, the little small ones. That he oh, makes, yeah, yeah. But it's five hours long. <laughs> There's supposed to be an hour of these blitzes, and he's like, I'm sorry, but this one's five hours long. And it's about the atomic age. Basically, it starts oh, with okay. Hirosh- Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And all of the politics and the political will and the, the drama and the war, starting with Oppenheimer and the yeah. Ma- Manhattan Project, all the way through Truman and, well, FDR and Truman and Eisenhower and JFK and the Bay of Pigs and the Khrushchev and all of, you know, the Cuban Missile. It's so friggin' rad. It's so good. Okay, cool. I read Oppenheimer's biography years ago. Um and it was a little bit tedious, but it was fascinating. Like the cultural context was yeah. all interesting. You know, I think you'll enjoy it. Cool, I'll check it. Um, Corona Open J Bay starts July 9th. so you and I will see each other that week before the event starts. Yes, and we'll bang out another episode of Spit. Yeah, I'm killing it on my fantasy surf team. I'm beating the crap out of you. It's been a great season for me this year, just beating David Lee Scales in an all-fantasy surfer. I haven't even played fantasy surfer in two or three years. Which is why I'm kicking your butt. But I remember last time we played that I did reign supreme, so I'm living on that. <laughs> I don't think that's the case, but whatever. Until next time, adios and aloha.
Blowing the night in the southern.